you're here on the first week of a new series. I always love that. Feels like new clothes when you go back to school. You know what I'm talking about? You know those new tennis shoes you wear when you go back to school? and just feels good. I always feel that way on the first Sunday of a new series. I just feel like... I feel like I could whip a bear with a switch. You know what I mean? I got new tennis shoes on. So I, I hope you feel that way here at the first week of a new series. And it is called Asking for a Friend. And it's birthed out of, you heard in the, in the sermon bump, it's, it's birthed out of the Easter survey that we do. If you were here at Easter time, some of you were, some of you were not. We do a survey to everybody that comes to our Easter services, three Easter services, packed houses, hundreds of people here. And we ask you, you know, what, do you, what would you like us to talk about? You know, what are some things you would... Some questions you would like answered or some sermon topics you would like or message series that you would like. Jesus would do this a lot of times. This is not something we came up with. Jesus would do this. The disciples would come around him and they would ask a question. They would say, you know, why, why couldn't we do this or why did this happen? And then Jesus would, would basically, you know, preach a, a sermon about why that happened or, you know, the, the answer to their question. So that's sort of what that's what we're going to do for the next five weeks. So we took the top five questions. I'm not making any of these up. We took the top five questions that you asked. I, I want to say there were, I don't know, 28 or 29 answers. We didn't have that many uh, options. Just some of y'all want to know about crazy stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like, why, why did I marry an idiot? I don't know. I, I can't help you with that. Why are my kids so bad? Well, you, the idiot, that's why. Because you had like, it's daddy's fault. I don't know, you know. And, and so... So, But we took the top five of those, and we're going to go to God's Word for answers today. Now, I'm telling you the honest truth, and, and I decided on this message, like in, in, in the preaching calendar on Baby Dedication Sunday for a reason. The number one question, the most requested to, excuse me, topic of, of everybody, everybody asked this one overwhelmingly. Matter of fact, number two was way down the list. The number one uh, question that you asked was, how do I raise godly kids? Like, it's, how, how, how am I a good parent? And I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think, I think mainly because you don't feel like you are a good parent. I don't know that anybody can, can really feel like, man, I've done everything just right. Everybody still, it doesn't matter where your kids are in the journey, grown. If you got grandkids, if you got babies like I do, or you're, you're pregnant and about to have your baby. Like, what, I, if you got teenagers, you sure don't know if you're doing it all right. Come on, everybody. Like, I just, I feel like, you, you, you know, that I, I know I feel this way. Man, am I doing it right? And you don't know if you're doing it right until it's too late. You know what I'm saying? And then you're like, man, I did that wrong. I, I wish I would have done something different. And this is hard to teach. This is hard. It's a hard message to preach for a, a couple of reasons. First, because not everybody here is a parent. And, 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 and so I hope this message today helps you, even if you don't have kids. I hope you don't check out and go, well, that one's not for me. Hopefully it will help you and give you some tools for your life. The second reason it's hard to preach and listen really closely to this is because the jury's still out on my parenting, everybody. <laughs> I, got, I got a six-year-old and I have a three-year-old. And as of right now, I think they're going to heaven most days. Most days. The three-year-old, it's up and down, honestly. <laughs> if it wasn't for the security he has in Christ, there's some days I think, bub, I don't know if you're going to make it. So, so I don't have all the answers, and, and I'm not pretending to come to you with all the answers. Matter of fact, we're going to go to God's Word in, in every message in this series, and my opinion doesn't matter. 
and, and your opinion, honestly, doesn't matter as it relates to the, the hard questions of our lives. The opinion that matters is what God says about it and how God gives us uh, uh, the answers in God's Word. So, we're going to go to God's Word. Here's what I do know about parenting is that it takes work. Amen, everybody? It's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to accidentally raise godly kids. You're not going to accidentally have a good family. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 24 and 3 says it like this. It takes wisdom to have a good family. It takes wisdom that you can you don't just accidentally walk up on good kids or a good family. It takes understanding to make your family strong. It takes wisdom and it takes understanding. And before we leave today, I hope you get a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more understanding about having strong and 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 healthy kids and a good family and raising good family. I, I do know this, there's a lot of different styles of parenting. We're not gonna talk about you know, what you do, whether you, you know, styles of parenting, you can go to a, matter of fact, we have a couple of connect groups today when we launch connect groups, but when you leave today, uh, you, you, you can find, you know, some groups, maybe get together about styles of parenting, but there are different kinds. The first one, a lot of you know, I didn't write it in your notes, but you can write this down in your own notes. The first one is uh, the authoritarian style. Anybody, most of us were raised with this, this authority in our life. This style goes like this, you either do it or else. And the or else is our motivation for whatever it was we were supposed to do. You know what I'm talking about in that. You either do it or you die. You die. I, I brought you into this. And I use this. This is how most parents. I, I created you. I will take you out. I'll make another one just like you, partner. You hear me? I've made two of y'all. I can make two more. I'll take you both out. You do it because I said so. You do it because that's the rules in this house. Anybody raised like that? Everybody whose mama was like that. Yeah, you do it because that's the way it's just supposed to be in this house. Most of us, that's, that, that, that's your understanding of parenting. And so when you have kids, you, you, know, you do the same thing. I don't know why we do that. We do it because I said so. That's why. And if you don't do it, you'll die. And, and, so we, and, then, and then sort of you know, culture shifted a, a little ways. And honestly, a few generations ago, some of you are in the generation that we moved from this authoritarian style to kind of a permissive parenting style, which says, honey, I don't know what, I don't want to tell you what you want. You tell me what you want. You, you tell me what you, whatever feels best to you. You know what I mean? If you want to color on the walls, and that's how you want to express yourself, daddy supports that. You know what I'm saying? That's not how I was raised. Daddy would kill me. But, but, but permissive parenting just says, what, you know, however it is, whatever makes you feel good. And, and, and I don't know that that's the best way. I don't know. It's always the best way to say, you know, it's my rules and that's why. And I don't think it's always the best way to say, I don't, uh, just whatever you want is the best way. The best way is, is what I want to, uh, the third option is really what I want to help you with today. And I want you to find biblical style of parenting. I don't want you, it, not necessarily that you're the authoritarian or, or that you're permissive. I want it to be biblical. I want to strive for biblical parenting. And I want you to strive for biblical parenting. Let me give you the best definition. Again, not in your notes, but write this down. The best definition of biblical parenting I know is this. It's not just correcting them when they're wrong. It's not a way of correction. It's not just saying you were wrong and there's a consequence. But biblical parenting, I think, shapes their worldview that their whole lives now look at the world through God's Word and God's way, and that's their compass. 
So before there's a decision made or choice made that you have to correct, you, you equip your children with a worldview that it doesn't matter the situation you're in. I want you to look at it through this lens. I want you to have these tools. I, I'm not just using this to correct you. I don't want you to use the Bible. I, I was a youth pastor for the first seven years of our almost now two decades of full-time ministry together. Brandy and I were in youth ministry for the first seven years. And I always... I always, I, I, I always hated when parents would do this in my youth group. I had, we had hundreds of kids in the youth group that I, that I pastored. And, and I would, almost inevitably, weekly, I would, I would hear from a kid, you know, a, a phone call or a text message or, or, you know, some way of communication, hey, I can't come to youth group this week because I'm grounded. Now listen, if, if that's what you choose to do, you know, you're your kids. But let me tell you something. I don't ever want church to be the punishment for whatever they did wrong. I don't ever want to, I, I never want you to say because the consequence is you can't go to church or you can't be involved in what church does. This is the only hope we got, everybody. Come on now. This is where they need to be at. That's just my opinion. Say amen to that, everybody. You do whatever you want to do with that. I don't want I don't want the biblical worldview to be, well, you can't, you, you know, you can't do that because God said no and the Bible says no. And, and Pastor Mitch says, I don't even know why, but he says no, and so we don't do that. And now, and now the Bible becomes the authoritarian in their life. Now the Bible becomes the one that slaps them in the hand instead of, hey, I want you to have the Bible as this worldview. This is God's Word and we get to live this way. And it informs all of our decisions. I, I want to have that biblical worldview. And I'm just going to give you one principle today. As a matter of fact, I think it's the best principle from God's Word about raising children. We only have one scripture that really talks about Jesus' life after the one I read to you earlier in Luke 2 when he's presented in the temple. The next time, we only have one scripture from age 12 until age 30. One. Now, I think there's a lot of reasons why. I, I don't even, I don't think that God wanted Jesus' teenage years recorded. Come on, somebody. You know, like even, even there, God's like, I can't write that down. That's not good. I can't, I can't write all of that stuff down. But there's only one verse. And, and, Really, the, the reason I think there's only one verse, because I think it encompasses what if you and I can grab a hold of the principles in this verse, I think it's enough for you to raise godly kids. I think it's enough for you to raise kids that honor God with their whole lives. And so the, the answer I'd give you today to, to, to raising godly kids, I'll find in Luke, the second chapter. Same place we were earlier for baby dedication when they brought Jesus to the temple. Simeon blesses, they give it back to God. The next time we see Jesus, he's at age 12. And this is all that we have. This is the one verse from 12 to age 30. And here it is, Luke 2 and 52. And Jesus grew in, underline these words in your Bible. Jesus grew in wisdom. He, he grew in wisdom. That's his intellectual growth. He, he grew in wisdom and he grew in stature. Some of us didn't grow as much in stature. Come on, somebody. I don't necessarily know that means Jesus grew up. I think it means his life grew. He grew in his purpose. He matured in what God had called him to do. And he grew in favor with God, and he grew in favor with men. If you want to know the parenting style from age 12 to age 30 for Jesus, it was these four things. That he grew in wisdom, that he grew in stature, that he grew in favor with God and favor with men. Now here, here's the first one, I want you to write that down, and that's wisdom. We're going to go through all of these. I'm going to be honest with you, I got... I, I, my clock's broke. That's even better. I don't know how long I have, everybody, but I got 15 or so minutes to preach today, and I got 12 points, so you got to write fast, all right? 
The first one is wisdom. Write that down. The the first thing I think, if you're going to raise godly kids, you're going to have to raise them in wisdom. Now, wisdom is more than book knowledge. I want your kids to go to college. I want them to do well in school. I want them to get scholarships. I I I want them to grow. But it's more than intellect, everybody. I want you to have wise kids that make godly decisions, not just smart kids that know all the answers. Amen, everybody? If you're going to raise godly kids, you're going to have to raise them in wisdom. Let me give you a couple of ways to raise them in wisdom. Write these down under here. Here's the first way to raise kids with wisdom is teach them to fear the Lord. Teach them to fear God. Now listen close. Don't misinterpret what the fear of the Lord is. That does not mean you teach them to be scared of God. As a matter of fact, I think it's just the opposite. I don't, I don't, want, you to, I don't, I don't want you to teach your kids to be scared of God. Fear of God in the Bible, the fear of the Lord in the Bible is, is an, it's a healthy honor and a respect for God. It's an honor for God's house. It's respect for God's house. It's a deep reverence and a love for God. That I, I fear God because I love Him. That I'm in relationship with Him. That I know Him personally and passionately. That I have a relationship with Him. And I'm, I'm, I fear God not because I'm scared of Him, but I'm in awe of Him. And I honor Him. And I reverence Him. Psalms 34 says it like this. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's healthy for your family to honor God. It's healthy for your family to honor God's house. To say, we're going to go to church every day. We're going, we're going to put God first. We're going to fear God. Everything we do and say, we're going to go to God first. Amen to everybody in the room. If you want them to grow in wisdom, you've got to teach them to fear God. Teach them the, the fear of the Lord, the, the honor, the respect, the reverence they need to have for God. Here's the second thing. Write this down. If you're going to teach them to grow in wisdom, you've got to teach them to accept the Bible as their manual to live. That the Bible is, is our manual for life. This is not just fiction. This is, matter of fact, it's not fiction at all. This is not just a collection of stories and good ideas by a good teacher. This is God's word for our life. This is God's word to us. It's our manual for living. If we have an answer, because we got it out of God's word. If we have a question in our life, we're going to go to God's word. We're going to talk about it. Luke 2 says, uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 6 says, I want you to talk about it. I want you to read it out loud. I want you to tell stories about it. My little girl, she's six and a half, almost seven years old. And, and most days, if not every day, we're riding in the car somewhere and she'll say, Daddy, tell me a Bible story. Now part of that is because she she wants me to talk about whatever it was we talked about in children's ministry. She wants me to tell that story all over again. I got a reader. She loves to hear stories. She loves narrative. And so, Daddy, tell me a Bible story. Let me tell you what I do. After seven years of it now, Daddy's got to learn some more. Come on, somebody. Daddy got to keep reading because I got to keep I got to keep telling you Bible stories. You say, "What? Why would you talk about that? Why would you a three year old? Why would you tell Bible stories to your son?" Let me tell you why. Because there's something about we go to God's word and say, "Hey, look, just so you know, this word, this is our manual for living. This isn't fiction. I really believe Jesus was dead and buried, and He rose again on the third day. I really believe a great fish swallowed a man named Jonah. I really believe a little boy defeated a Goliath with a slingshot and a stone." I really believe that that a couple of pieces of bread and fish fed 5,000 people. This is not fiction. The Bible is God's word to us. Say amen to that, everybody. you got to teach your kids. If they're going to grow in wisdom, you got to teach your kids to accept the Bible as our manual for living. How, how do you do that? Deuteronomy 6 says it. These, these commands I give you, that they're to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Tell them God's word. Impress them on your children. 
If you're going to impress them to go to a good college, which if I were you, that would be somewhere in the Southeast Conference. I'm just saying, if you want to win football games. If you're going to impress them to go to an SEC school, impress God's Word on them. If you're going to impress them to excel in math and science, and, and you should, impress God's Word on them. Talk about God's Word when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you're in your car, when you're lying down, and when you get up. Talk about God's Word. Here's the, here's, I, I heard something the other day about college-age kids. Somebody said, well, Pastor, what do I do? You know, my kids are already gone. They're already out of the... How do, I, how do I impress God's Word on them? This is what he told me. He reads the Bible in, in one year. It's on, on the Version app, or you can buy a study Bible, where you read God's Word every day, and at the end of the year, you've read all of the Bible. And every day, there's a verse of the day that comes up on Version. And, and when, when he gets that verse of the day, he texts that verse to all of his children that are grown it in college. They, just to say, hey, look, God's word is still for you. It's still available to you, and it's still your manual for living. Amen, everybody? Here's the third thing. Write this down. If you want them to grow in wisdom, then you're going to have to guard their minds. Guard their minds if they're going to grow in wisdom, everybody. By the time you're 18 years old, most studies say that your kids have seen over 100,000 sexual encounters just on television. Not on the internet. Not on Snapchat, not on Instagram, just on television. They've seen over 8,000 acts of violence just on television. Not on video games, not on, not on apps on their phone, just, on, just in one medium. They, they've seen 100,000 sexual encounters, the majority of which, over 80% of which, are not between married uh, people. You've got to guard their minds, everybody. I, I know it's kind of old-fashioned preaching, but there, there's some stuff my kids cannot watch. There's some stuff they will not read. There's some stuff that will not come into our home. There's some movies they'll never know the plot. They'll never know anything about it. There's some stuff that there's some there's some dolls they don't play with. There's just some. I'm gonna guard their minds, everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to guard what they. Now you may say, well, they're gonna hear it somewhere else. They're gonna hear it at school. Let me tell you where they're not gonna hear it. They're not gonna hear it at home. They're not going to sit in front of it all day long. I know that's old, but let me tell you what the Bible says. Listen, we're just going to the Bible for our answer. Psalms 101 says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I'm not going to put something in front of my eyes like that. And if you want to raise kids full of wisdom, you're going to have to guard their minds. Are you still there? Say amen, everybody. Here's the second thing i got to hurry. The second thing is Jesus grew in wisdom and He grew in stature. He grew in stature, everybody. I don't, think it was just, I, I don't think it was just He ate right and He exercised and He grew up. I think Jesus grew in life. I think He grew in His purpose in life. I, I, I think, I think he grew, when He grew in stature, He grew into the calling God had for Him. Acts 20 and 24 says it like this, However, I consider my, my life worth nothing to me if only I may... Finish the race that God has for me and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. That when, I, when my kids get grown and out of the house, I want them to grow up in stature. I want them to be healthy. I, I want them to, I want them to, I want, you know, to be well-rounded and, and, and educated. But what I really want is for them to complete the task God has for them. I want them to grow. The greatest gift, write this down. I'm telling you, if you don't hear anything else I say, I, I'll stand behind this, this statement. You can play this message back to me when my kids graduate high school. The greatest gift I think a parent could give their kids, and I think the best gift I can give you as your pastor, is to help your kids, write this down, help them discover their purpose. Early, early, early. 
Help your kids discover their purpose, that they're called of God. I've been prophesying to my children since the day they were born. You're called of God. You're a prophet to the nations. God's called you and equipped you and given you power to tread on serpents. And you, you can, there's, there's something that God's called you to do that only you can do. You've got greatness inside of you. Not just because you're my son or my daughter, because you're a daughter or a son of the Most High God. And He has purpose in your life. You don't have to wander aimlessly. You discover your purpose in your life. I think the best gift, you if you mess up everywhere else, you tell your babies God has a calling on your life. You're called to do something for God. Help them discover you. Because when your kids know why they exist, listen close, when your kids know they have a purpose beyond themselves, then they won't be as distracted by the world and the things inside the world. When your kids know they have a purpose and a calling on their life, then when they have a choice to make, do I go this way with this group or do I go this way with this group? Well, God's called me. I'm special. I'm set apart. I'm anointed for purpose. So I can't go that way because it's not in my purpose. It's not what God called me to do. I want you to have a worldview in your life that you equip your children not to correct them when they're wrong, but to help them to make the right decision, to help them to choose the right way. It's the best give I can give you as a pastor. It's why every single month, it's why today I tell you about getting on the growth track. If you want to do something significant with your life, if you want to, if you want your life to matter, if you'll focus on others, doing something significant, if you find your significance in purpose, then you will not find significance and look for it in drugs and sex and relationships and everything else. You'll look for it in the purpose God has for your life. Do you believe that? Say amen, everybody. I want you to redirect your kids to their divine purpose. They're going to grow in stature. Help them to discover God's purpose in their life. If they're going to grow in stature, help them. Pray this way. Write this down. Pray God's favor over their lives. Pray God's favor over their life. I want supernatural doors to open for your kids. I want there to be favor in their lives. I don't want them to... Most people say, I want my kids to have a better life than I do. Let me tell you what you should be praying. Not just for an easier life. You need to pray for favor on their lives. That God would open up doors for them. Not just you. Not just a relationship. Not I called a buddy and he gave them a job. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want God's favor on their life. I want Psalms 5 and 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them. Every day you ought to pray. Where it says where you surround them, you ought to put your you ought to read it like this. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and surround Hazel and Henry with your favor as with a shield. They're surrounded with the favor of God. There's something around their lives that's different. When they go to school, when they go to college, when they walk on a campus, when they go to work, when things are, when they walk into a, a dating situation and they're looking for a spouse, that the favor of God is on their life. There's not a single problem. Listen, there's not a single problem that they'll face that the favor of God can't unlock and open a door. There's nothing There's nothing that won't happen in their life that God can't fix with the favor of God. Amen, everybody? I want you to have the favor of God on your kids. That's growing in stature, everybody. Not just that. If, there, if there's a single thing, here, honestly, this may... This may be the biggest detriment. If there's the greatest need that your kids have, the greatest thing you can do is pray for them and, and help them discover their purpose. I think the biggest um, problem or obstacle that could prevent them from discovering their purpose is the next one that could stop them from growing in stature like Jesus did, and it's the wrong relationships. 
I think the wrong relationships are the biggest problem, the single greatest problem that can stop them from fulfilling their purpose. So, now, I'm going to say this and then, and then write it down and I'll tell you. I want you to choose their relationships carefully. Choose their relationships carefully. I did not say, now if you're a child in here today, you're going to be thinking, why in the world I hate this church? I did not say they choose their relationships. Look at me in the eyes and listen closely. They don't get to choose their friends. I do. As long as I have the authority in their lives, I'm going to choose the right friends. And I'm being real, real transparent with you. There are people in my kids' lives right now that recently, Brandy and I sat down and said, she's out, they're out, they don't come over anymore. They don't, have, they don't have influence in our kids' life anymore. You say, well, why, why can't your babies pick who they love and who they like? Because they're not mature enough. God gave me that job. While I've got them, it's my job to protect them. You can believe that or not believe that, but you got to choose their relationships. I really do believe that. I'm going to do everything in my power. Now, when they're at school or when they're, when they're, when they're older, they, they're going to make choices. I'm going to trust God. But as long as you have influence, you choose the right relationships for them carefully. I, I, they don't pick their friends. Why? Because if you'll show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Like if you'll show me the people in your life, you're the sum total of the five people closest to you in your life. I don't want some of the people that were in my kids' lives to be the influence in her life. I, I, want other, I want some of your kids in this church. I want them to be her influence. So I'm going to choose their, I'm going to cut off some other friends. Y'all listen to me. I know we live in a different time, but you ought to start arranging marriages. Come on, somebody. I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. I pray every single day for Henry's spouse. God, give him a godly woman, a woman of faith, a woman of prayer, a woman that supports his purpose, a woman called of God, a worshiper, a prayer warrior, somebody who, who gives all they've got. He's three and a half years old. He ain't trying to date. He looks like he's ten, but he's three and a half. But I'm already, I'm, I'm going to guide him. Baby, I don't know if that's the right one. Have you considered? <laughs> I'm preaching so good right now. In the Old Testament, Jacob said, have you, considered my, have you considered my daughter? You know what that is? That means, I, I don't know about that one, but I think you all fit good together on this one. There's nothing wrong with you going to your 15-year-old and going, baby, is this really how you want to spend your life? Is this really the person you want to invest? Is this going to be the spouse that brings you closer to God or further away from God? Choose their relationships carefully. Say amen if you believe that, everybody. We just decided we don't get involved with everybody and everything. We don't get involved. There's some influences they don't need. You can you can say yes to every opportunity that you want. You're, you're their parent. I'm just giving you some biblical framework. I think if you want them to grow in stature, there's some stuff you got to say no to. Not because it's wrong, but because i gotta, I got to choose your relationships well. And there, we, we don't say yes to everything and to everybody. Here's the third thing. Jesus grew in faith. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with man. Favor with man. Write that down. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature and favor with man. Favor with man. Listen, this is, this is, real, this is just old-fashioned morality, everybody. You've got to have some kind of ethic in your life. Let me just give you a principle for living, whether you're a child or you're an adult. You'll go far in this world if you'll learn how to treat people well. Amen, everybody. 
If you'll learn how to just be a good citizen, good employee, you'll show up on time, you'll work your hardest, you'll, you'll say yes ma'am and no sir, and you'll, you, you'll give your best. They're just, God will give, this is not just a parenting principle, everybody. This is a principle for living. You need favor with man. The old adage goes like this, it's not what you know, it's... It's who you know. You know you know how to get the attention of people that you that you need in your life. You know how to get favor with man. You, you got to live in such a way that people go there's something different about them. And I want you to raise your children that way. Philippians 2 and 3 says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, here's the operative word, consider others. Others. Others." Others better than yourself. We raise our kids to be others-minded. This whole world doesn't revolve around you. Come on, everybody. This whole world's not just about you, baby girl. I appreciate you. You're my little princess, but you're not princess of the whole world, okay? We exist for others. We exist for oh, We're going to let others go first. We're going we're to let them go in line. Leaders go last. Come on, somebody. We're, we're going to let them go. We're, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to raise my kids with a couple of principles. I'm just going to give you two. If you want favor with men, here's two principles I think you can get. Here's the first one. I think you need to have honesty. I think you need to tell the truth. We, have, we basically have one rule in our home, and that's you tell the truth. I can, I can, I promise you this. Now, again, I don't have a 16-year-old, so. But as of right now, I can just about forgive anything that you've told me in truth. But things get vastly different in our home if you start lying about it. If you'll just confess, and here's where I'm at. You know why? Because I want to treat them how God treated me. And if I'll come to God in confession and honesty, the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Listen, if you can be honest with God, he can, he, he can heal any problem in you. The problem comes when you try to hide from God, everybody. And the only principle, in our, at least right now, the one rule we got is we can, Mom and I, can, we'll take anything. Now, sometimes we have to practice our game face. You know what I mean? My little, my little boy has started recently saying, I don't know which one of y'all taught him this, but so, he recently started saying, Mom, I need to tell you something. Every time he says it, our heart sinks all the way down to the floor. Most of the time, it's just, I, I need applesauce. But some of the time, it's, I flushed a truck down the toilet. Come on, somebody. I just need honesty. Just tell me. Just tell the truth. You want to raise your kids to have favor with men? Teach them to be honest. Teach them to tell the truth. And here's the second thing, and I think it's lost. Matter of fact, I'm planning my preaching calendar for 2019 already. I'm going to preach a whole message series on this word, and that you need to teach your kids honor. You need to teach your kids honor. You need to teach our kids honor. If they want to have favor with men, they need to learn how to honor everything. We give weight and value to everything and everybody. Let me say that again. Honor is giving weight and value to everything and everybody. We don't use first names in our home. We use sir and ma'am and mister and missus. We honor God's house. This is God's house, everybody. We honor God's word. We stand when we read God's word. I got two little people that if we, if we read the Bible out loud, my people are going to stand. We come to Dream Team Rally here at 845 every, every Sunday morning. Our Dream Team gets together. We worship and pray before you ever get here. My kids come in and they're here for both services like a lot of yours are. They're, they're here early just like a lot of yours are. And we tell them during worship time, you don't get to stay seated and stay on the phone. This is worship time. You may not understand it completely, but our hands go up at worship. Come on, everybody. We honor God with everything we got. We give weight and value 
we honor. We honor. And here's the last thing. You've got to have favor with man and you've got to have favor with God. You've got to have favor with God. Come play Henry. Hurry. Jesus grew spirit. I've got to get out. But Jesus grew spiritually. He grew spiritually. He had favor with God. Most importantly, I want your kids to grow spiritually. If you want to raise godly kids, they need favor with God. Here's the reason why. It's because you are a spirit, everybody. Your kids are a spirit. They have a soul. They live in a body. But they're a spirit, and I want them to grow spiritually. If they grow every other way and they're not growing spiritually, it's not going to work. They need to have favor with God. How do do I do that? How do I I let my kids have favor with God? Let me give you a couple of ways. Here's the first one. If if you want your kids to have favor with God, you got to make Jesus the Lord of your home. you got to put Him first. It's, It's the principle of first. The principle of first. Tithing is the principle of first. It just says I'm going to put God first in every area of my life. I give Him the first day of the week. I, on Monday morning, I'm going to give Him the first, the first day of my work week. I'm going to be at prayer at 6 a.m. We give, we give God the first 10% of our income. That's our tithing. We, come on, we, it, it's a, God is first and we pray first. We don't pray last, we pray first. Call the ambulance while I'm praying. Come on, somebody. We pray first. We pray first. I'm going to put God first. He's going to be the Lord of our life. I'm going to give Him the first Wednesday night. This Wednesday night at night of worship, I'm going to give Him the first. We're going to put God first. Joshua 24 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Let me tell you what's going to happen in me and my house. He's going to be Lord of my house. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put Him first. Bring them to first Wednesday, this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. It'll be one hour. You'll be out of here in one hour. They can go to bed 15 minutes late on Wednesday. You listen to me. I, I, I never missed a Wednesday. We had Wednesday every single week. That's the old church. We had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night every week. I would take my homework to church with me. And after worship, I was allowed to do it underneath the pew. Because we're going to put God first, everybody. Wake up Thursday morning tired, but wake up knowing we put God first. He's first. He's first. He's the Lord of our home. And here's the last thing. That's not the last thing. Two more things, sorry. Show them my love for God. You want them to have favor with God? Show them how you love God. Don't tell them how to worship. Show them how to worship. The reason my kids know to raise their hand when the music starts because my hands go up. Show them, show them how to pray out loud in front of them. I, we never pray quietly in the Rose House. We pray out loud. Why? Because I want to teach my kids. I'm showing them. I'm showing them how to do it. When we tithe, we tell our babies. They don't know, they don't understand a thing about money, nothing about it. We just tell them we're putting God first today. That we're giving God our best. We serve in front of them. We put on lanyards and dream team t-shirts and show up early and sweat. And we tell our babies, today at loadout, they'll be over there. They can't help. They're in the way. But I tell them, put something in your hand and put it in a case. I'm going to show you how we love God. Come on, everybody. Show them how. Show them how. Be what you want them to be. First Corinthians says it like this. I want you to imitate me. This needs to be your parenting verse. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Do it like I do it. You, you want kids that worship, worship. You want kids that pray, pray. You want kids that serve, serve. You want kids full of joy, be full of joy.
And here's the last thing. This really is the last thing. Because I want to let you off the hook because there's parents in the room today that feel like I feel, like you failed and you think, man, what in the world? I don't know what I'm doing. Here's the last thing. You need to be like Jesus in every situation. Be like Jesus in every situation. Let me tell you what Jesus would do. If you failed, if you messed up, Jesus would forgive. Jesus would pick them up. He would find a woman called in adultery and say, where are your accusers? I'm with you, baby. I got you. Daddy's always going to be on your side. So I'm not going to accuse you. Then he said, go and sin no more. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. You want to raise godly kids? Raise them with grace and truth. Grace and truth. Forgive them like God forgave you. Love them like God loved you. Accept them the way Jesus has accepted you. Pray for them. Jesus tells Peter, I prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Because the devil desires to to sift you like weed. There's something about your faith he wants. Pray for them like Jesus prays for you. Treat them like Jesus treated you. And we'll get it right. And we'll raise godly kids. Amen, everybody.